Okay, this is Mose Allison, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andros Jones. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball, give us a shake. We're here on the radio, tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly Select here with the help of our friend Synchronicity And now it's time for Radio 8-Ball Give us a shake It's the Radio 8-Ball Show Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs like musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and in this, our season two finale, we are celebrating the season two premiere of my newest favorite TV show, AMC's Lodge 49. In our last segment, we were joined by the create one of the creators of the show, the producer and writer, Jim Gavin. And now we are joined from the UK by the show's music supervisor. We spoke about him in the last episode. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Tom Patterson. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for having me and dialing into me in a very... Very hot and sweaty London. Ah, well, it's a hot and sweaty Los Angeles as well. It's a hot and sweaty 21st century, really. Exactly. True. True that. And we are reaching you in the UK, and I uh, send we send you our empathetic condolences. Our <laughs> it seems like our clownishness is catching. And or maybe it's the other yeah. way around. I don't know who. I don't. It's sort of like the, between the UK and the US. It's a chicken or egg. Who <laughs> type thing? But uh... we're 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 in this horrible sort of um, marriage of, of idiocy. You know, we're we're trying to outdo each other, and I, I really don't know who's winning at the moment. Yeah, so, it's, but it's God. Good luck to all of us. Good luck to all of us. Yes, of course. For those of you who are tuning in at a later date, we're talking about the uh, ascension of Boris Johnson to the yeah. role of prime minister. Yeah. Uh, which uh, it w- would see you know, it's sort of like it seems horrific, but from where we're standing here in the U in the U.S., I mean, as you said, yeah. uh, we have our own yeah. bad haircut to deal with. So exactly, nobody wins on either side. Which is why it's so great to have shows like Launch Forty Nine that may distract us, but without making us dumber. Uh, we were talking, I mean, the conversation we just had with Jim is just makes it clear how uh, how much uh, thought and intention goes into creating Lodge 49. And, of course, certainly in the writing and in the acting, but we're here with the music supervisor. And for those of you who are not familiar with what a music supervisor does, they basically pick, find, they go out and find all the music that... Uh, well, why don't you tell us, for what is your process for working as a music supervisor for Lodge 49? Well, I mean, the, the essentially, I came up when I came on board. I came up with a game plan of what I, how I thought the music should sound in the show. Jim obviously had big ideas about it as well. He'd written some songs into the uh, the script, but we sit down together, we discuss the kind of direction we should go, and then 
in this instance, I just went and curated thousands of tracks that I thought were interesting and gave them to Jim and Peter Rocco, the showrunner, and our fabulous editors. And we sat and listened and went, yeah, these are good. Let's try this here. And it's like doing a big jigsaw puzzle of just fitting songs into an episode and making things sound good. So that's the first step of the process. But then the second bit is actually clearing the songs. Um, and in our instance, I mean, that means, you know, you can't just go, I want that song. You have to go and track down the person who wrote it or the record company that released it and say, can we have it, please? And you have to track down, down two sides, so the publishing and the master. And in our instance with Lodge 49, we've used a lot of really obscure songs and stuff that's lost in the time, lost since the 60s, paperwork missing. So the second part of my job was tracking down lots of old musicians who'd been forgotten about and who were very happy and were able to buy a new car for the first time in a, in a long time. So that's that's essentially it. Curating a soundtrack with the help of Jim and then, then getting the songs into the show. And do you have... Well, I guess I, I have two questions. First, uh, just sort of uh, for the, so the listeners know, are there other shows that you've worked on that you feel particularly proud of? That No, this is uh, my first U.S. show. I come from a different background. I actually come from a, a music documentary-making background. I'm a talking head on TV shows in Britain. I have been. And I'm a, an editor, one of the editors on a music magazine in Britain called Shindig. Oh. And I've done some indie stuff, but but this is my first foray into TV. Well, what's going on, on with AMC? Side. They're just deciding to, to hire only people who have never done this before? Well, let me tell you, it's working. Because, well, yeah, I, I mean, mean Jim hasn't had a show before, the, you haven't done music supervising, and you would think that, I mean, it's so sure-handed, you would think, I was expecting you to say, oh, well, I've done this show and that show. No. Well, that's well, great. That's why it sounds so I, great and original. Wonderful. I, I mean, what can I tell you? AMC begged me to do this, and I, what could I, and I couldn't turn them down. Of course. Um, no, <laughs> it was, uh, no, I was up, uh, I've known Jim for a very long time, and uh, I was suggested, he, you know, he, he wanted to get me involved in the show, and, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't an, an open door. I had to put it out to tender, and I was up against a lot of very big music supervisors, but AMC, in their wisdom, went with me. And what can I say? Hopefully, their uh, their huge gamble has been justified. Because, I, I mean, you know, I'm a bit biased, but I think we've done sort of a pretty good job. I, I think that's generally acknowledged. I've been, I mean, I'm a fan of it, but because for this episode, I've been doing research and across the board, people go out of their way to talk about the music on the show, which uh, I'm sure makes you and your representation very happy. Uh, maybe there'll yeah, be more of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I mean, I think one of the things about being a novice on the American TV side is that I, I, I'm sort of blundering, I'm blundering around a little bit, you know, not taking no for an answer, whereas I think many people who've been doing it a lot longer than I have would be a lot more cautious. I've just gone in, you know, full steam ahead like a bull in a china shop, clearing whatever I can. And so that's how we get lots of very strange, weird songs in the show. I would also think as a... I've it might be a strategy for finding a, a, a unique voice. Find a music supervisor who hasn't done this before and, you know, you're basically, you have access to a collection, you know, a point of view that hasn't already been gone through. For uh, You've done five series, you've probably mined your most obscure nuggets, right? 
But yeah, that's a, that's a good thought. Yeah, very, very possibly. You know, I, I don't come with any preconceived notions about what I've got had before. But yeah, I mean, I, I wrote down this big, long manifesto before before we went in, and it really detailed what how I saw the world, and I, I just think that got me over the edge. Oh, I was also probably you, a lot could, cheaper. Could you? Uh, <laughs> that's also probably part of the the, the equation, uh, but. Uh, I'm so curious. Can you give us a, a snippet, a snippet of uh, or a, yeah. an overview from your manifesto? I think that would be so wonderful to to share with the listeners. Yeah, I mean, I, the original manifesto is long lost in the well. It's not long lost, but it's somewhere in the, my depths of my laptop. Yeah. Um, but I I uh, I kind of had to, at the very end of season one, um, AMC publicity asked me to write up a, a bunch of notes they could run online about the show and I mined some of my original manifesto for that. And I don't know if they ever ran it, but uh, I mean, it really was kind of like, I have it in front of me, here's like a paragraph from it. It's, the hazy golden sunshine of SoCal and themes of alchemy, medieval quests, Egyptian magic, and dusty secretive organizations immediately lent themselves to an off-kilter, jasmine-scented intoxicating vibe. A semi-psychedelic, partly folky, sometimes jazzishly languid backdrop. There's a heady beckoning incense in the air in the California of Lodge 49, and the music was designed to reflect that. So, you know, it was all like that, all quite highfalutin and pretentious. But, you know, and, and I had songs that I, I figured would fit into the world. And again, we had, a, we had a, a, a game plan already set by Jim, who'd written in a couple of great tracks into the show already. So just adding that all together, and that's that's how I come to be talking to you on the phone now. It's so funny. I didn't real. I just did, when you were reading that, it made me realize. And I don't know if this is something. Um, it, it has to be just a synchronicity. But there is a character who shows up in season one from England to uh, to uh, close down the lodge, and then he he's drawn into the shenanigans there, and. As you're talking, and it, you have a very, you have a similar quality to your voice, and especially <laughs> when you're reading the dialogue that you wrote, and I just thought, oh well, this is a fun, a fun analog. There, you are kind of. I mean, again, you're not that character, but you are the English character in this series, and you are sort of as representing yourself as sort of like this outsider in this secret organization, and and like you said, you're. Because you don't know all the rules, you're actually maybe being able to do things that you wouldn't if you grew up in Long Beach and were a Lynx, or if you grew up in Absolutely. Hollywood. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And no, I have a very, a very good point. And I, I mean, I don't think I, I was chosen because of the Englishness, but there is that English side built into the show. And the Lodge One, the original Lodge, is supposed to be in London. Do you relate and to that character? I, him not so much. I mean, he's he's slightly more nervous and nebbish than I am. I related uh, but, to him a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, I, I get him. What I do relate to is the idea of Lodge One. My, I have a family background that's based in uh, Esoterica in Britain. Um, my great uncle, who I'm named after, used to run Watkins, which was the very famous occult bookshop in London. And my cousin runs the Museum of Witchcraft in Boscastle and is an occultist to an extent. And he gives talks at um, uh, some of the occult bookshops in London. So, you know, he's uh, it's part of my weird background somewhere. So, uh, and, and where I'm talking to you from right now, where it's just my flat in London, I live in a part of the world called Bedford Park. 
And that's where the original mystical lodge of the Golden Dawn comes from, which had W.B. Yeats as a member. And they all used to drink at the pub that's at the end of my road and do their ceremonies on the next street. So I do have that sort of going on in my background as well. Well, that so is... I, I suppose I mean, that helps. That's very much like... And I, I looked it up while we are talking. That's very much the like the character Jocelyn Pugh. Uh, played by Adam Godley in the series, because he also is basically born into it, right? And you are sort of born into this esoterica. Well, yeah, I, I guess. The, the thing is that Jocelyn, and I'm, I'm not saying I believe, believe in any of this, but Jocelyn is sort of like, it's not so much he's born into it, but the, he, he gets, he does get the job through family connections, but it's not, he doesn't quite believe in it. And it's actually coming to California that makes him believe in this wonderful world. So he gets out of the staid England. He's the one who, you know, finds the beauty in the economically deprived Long Beach. Right. He's the one who really goes native. So it's, you know, he has to get away from here to go there to discover the beauty of his background. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I, uh, our show, Radio 8 Ball, is all about finding strange connections and things. So forgive me if, I, uh, if I'm a bit fanciful. That's just the, that's just the, the mode we work in here. But uh, let's get to your no, let's it. get to your question for the Pop Oracle. What do you have for us, Tom Patterson? Well, it actually does tie into what we were talking about. So you know, Perfect. it's literally happened today, as you know. We got a new Prime Minister today in the shape of Boris Johnson. Hooray! Ugh. So seamlessly combining Bojo with Lodge Forty Nine. My question is: Like an alchemist, will Boris Johnson turn Brexit into gold, or will <laughs> it remain a big lump of lead? <laughs> Brexit into gold or a lump of lead. And now, to engage the Pop Oracle on your behalf, Tom, I'm going to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na, 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 Wheel of Eight. Song number five, which is... Insecurely. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Your love may be driven and pure But you feel neither safe nor secure You know that ultimately You can never be sure That when she goes outside and she comes back in she won't be comparing you to him Unfavorably When that's exactly what she'll be Doing as long as you're so scared of the dark And ambiguous Just ain't enough to deny 
Insecurely from my own record that's coming out August 8th called All You Get. That was the answer to Tom Patterson's question about 
excuse me while I throw up in my mouth, Britain's new prime minister, Boris Johnson, and whether he will be an alchemist and turn Brexit into gold or will it remain a lump of coal? Is that what you said? A lump lump of lead. A lump of lead, yeah, it's all bad. Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, so that was uh, that was my song. And usually, I, I give a, I, I sort of have the song. Usually, we have a songwriter here performing uh, the song, the songs live is the answer. But since this, this is our last episode, and I'm going to be going and spending a couple months promoting this record, I decided to merge the two. But uh, I'll tell you that that song is about uh, is about trying to live live with sort of live with or transcend jealousy which is something that is a theme, one of the themes that I really liked that the show got into at the end of the second season. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But there was a, there was a line in it to just to live secure in the fear. And I feel like yeah. uh, reactionary right-wing politicians like Boris Johnson and Donald Trump and others around the globe who are rising are responding to irrational fears irrationally and uh, stoking that irrationalism um, as opposed to being willing to live with, oh, things are changing and we need to have complex thinking towards it. So I thought that's what I thought of. But what, what did you think about how that related to your question? Well, I think it's it's a beautiful song. So well done. Oh, thank and uh, I really like all the tracks on the, on the, the record. I was listening to them early. So really really good stuff and i could see that jealousy was a uh, theme because you've also got that track jealousy nation yes so, it's actually a song the uh, record's kind of about open uh, uh, what i what i thought at the time was a successful open marriage and so it's 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 meant to be sort of like challenging as opposed to celebrating jealousy but yes uh, i'm glad you picked up on that and thank you coming from you that means a lot yeah so well i mean just reading it in terms of my question i yes. mean i think it it suggests things are going to not get better because I feel like we are the the party who have been told to go away, uh, but the, the the arms of the EU will always be open. But I don't think they will. I think once we're out, we're out, and I uh, and I and I feel that uh, yeah, it's not going to go well. So uh, I think it's it's a beautiful song, and I wish that it had, it had made me feel more peace in my heart towards Brexit. But unfortunately, I think we're still in the lead stage because, well, as you say, we are surrounded by a lot of um, demagogues who are very insecure in their in their own way, stoking up fears of normal people. And you say the fears are irrational, but sometimes they are rational fears. And I think that's something that Lodge 49 gets right very well, in that it is about the economic problems and the, 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 the gig economy in America and in Long Beach specifically. But what happens is people like Trump and Boris Johnson point the fingers at minorities and victims who are uh, rather than addressing the problems if you see what i'm saying right so it's it's stoking up the fear of everything else when there are real problems but they're not dealing it in the right way i think that's sort of like the in the song like the guy is like she might be with someone else but why are you reacting the the question is why are you reacting the way you are like yeah europe you know, Amer- I'll say for like America might not be as white as it was in the 19th century, and for some of us, that seems like that might be a good thing. Why are you reacting to that as if that means that there's less for you? 
whoever you are. No. You know what I mean? Not you, Tom, but like you who, <laughs> who are reacting in a way that says, no, go back to where you came from, you know, America first, all of these kind of things, which, you know, you have your own version of that with Boris Johnson. Um, it's about, I think it's like, and I maybe, maybe this does go to the show, it's about responding to complex situations with a complex and nuanced response, which a lot of times is sort of like, well, let's see what happens as opposed to let's clamp down. We need to do something and get, you know, we need to find the villain. And like in Lodge 49, there really isn't every time someone shows up who might be a villain, there's, does the show have a villain? I don't think it does. No, 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 not, not at all. I mean, everyone, everyone has their problems. They're all very nuanced characters. Even say in series one, when Captain turned up, as promises this mythical thing, and you see him, it's he's a much more complex character. And of course, he's played think. by Bruce Campbell, who everyone like that was that was such a star turn. That was a perf that was perfect star casting when he shows up. Yeah, you and you see him through that window, and you're just like, oh, I'm watching this next episode. I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he's he's fabulous in the show as well. But yeah, and going back to jealousy, I mean, you were saying at the end of season one that we, we have that sort of love triangle between the three characters, Connie, uh, Scott, and Ernie. So yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all in there, and that obviously carries on into season two. But it reminds me of something that um, Jim was told me once. He was talking about that sort of love triangle. It's, it's basically two characters in love with the same woman, and she won't make a choice between them. She's enjoying having the intention of both sides, which is... Are really interesting and rare to see on American TV. But Jim said he, he was reminded of Picasso, who had two women in love with him. And he just went to both of them, you just sort it out amongst yourselves, and I'll be waiting forever who wins. So it's interesting giving that dynamic to a female character. Well, and, I think, uh, and I think that, that works really well. I even, and I think even more so because she does hold this. There's one thing I didn't get to get into with Jim that I kind of want. If I had had more time with him, I would have said, okay, can you take me through the characters and tell me which archetypes you think these are? Because these are a lot of them, <laughs> even though they're very lived in, they, there are times when you're sort of like, oh, you know, your, your archetype is showing, you know, shift your dress because we can see what's under there. Um, <laughs> and there's something about like I, her as a sort of a goddess priestess type having the affection of these two very different, you know, this black and white, uh, you know, yin yang, big, you know, big and strapping, short and stocky. Like they yeah. are such opposites. And that well, she also, don't in, forget. Oh, go on. Sorry, but, but don't forget that all the characters, as well as being archetypes, have sort of medieval equivalents that fits into the idea of the lodge. So, so Dud might be a squire in the lodge, but he's also an actual squire. Ernie is a knight. Um, so they, they all have those characters, and that carries on with new characters in season two. So we're, it's, it's sort of building up a, a medieval arsenal. They're almost, uh, If you saw the original, um, uh, some of the promotional adverts for season one, they were all tarot cards. I've been avoiding that, it. I want to... <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I'm so excited. But yes, that makes sense. Well, that's what I'm saying. So do you do you feel like each of the characters is a tarot card? I mean, they they, they specifically denoted that in the advertising at the end of season one. Each oh. character had their own tarot. Oh well, then uh, and, let's do a so, reading. So yeah, and yeah, so so yeah, so you can take that into there as well. That's excellent. It's uh, yeah. 
it's yeah, it's multi-layered. There's so many things. I mean, I think one of the things that people get out of it, and I, you know, I looked at Reddit. There are people who really are analysing every episode, but they go back and they notice different things. And Jim and Peter have been very clever in the way that they've layered things, and there's double meanings and nuances and references. And in my own small way, I've tried to mirror that in the soundtrack. A lot of the bands have medieval-sounding names like uh, the Baron Four for example, and there are songs about gold and alchemy in ancient Egypt. Um, so, so yeah, so there's all these kind of little nuances going around for people who want to dig a little bit deeper. Oh, yeah. I was, I was telling Jim, I've, I've watched the show the first season three times. I watched it. Oh, wow. I watched it once and was blown away. And I watched it a second time for fun because I, I knew that I wanted to do that. I wanted to to really follow the stuff. And then I did it a third time as research for this. I don't know if I, I wow. and I enjoyed the, he- I really, really enjoyed it the third time. It, it, it holds up that much. So that's, uh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, that people who watched it the first time, right, it's a very slow burn. It takes a while to get it used into it. And I think perhaps when it was on AMC first time, right, it had the commercial breaks. So I think a, a few, some viewers in the first episode might be, no, it's just too slow for me. But if you now watch it on Hulu, and just watch you you know you can you know really get into it you see what a beautiful arc they've created oh yes uh, and i love the pace of it i know people some people but i think that sometimes and maybe this is this is kind of the analogy that i'll draw to my record the record i'm the record i'm putting out i intentionally tried to make it quieter and slower than i was particularly comfortable with because i felt like in a way like you can't like you everything has been as loud and as fast as you can make it so how can like make yeah. by being sometimes being quiet is the most punk rock thing you can do right and i feel like in Absolutely. a way the impact for me of lot the silences and the intimacy and and that pace of lodge 49 was such a welcome relief from so many jump cutty explosion a minute kind yeah. of entertainment pieces so and, the, and again, I mean, yeah, it back you to you, the music is a big part. It does create that spell, and I love that you created a manifesto for it. That makes me so happy. <laughs> well, let me, let me find it. I'll email it to you. You can read it uh, at your leisure. Oh, well, you know what? If you would be, I mean, if, if you wouldn't mind, we post a blog with this. We post these with a the blog. Uh, would you mind if we... Yeah, of course. Oh, then, yes, please send it along. We'll publish it with the blog, and I'm sure that fans of the show will, will get a kick out of that. That's awesome. Great, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no, happy to do that. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being on the show. It uh, it's it's great to to hear the voice behind the voices, and um, <laughs> and now I'm going to be looking for your byline in Shindig. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm at the front. You know, you'll you'll see you'll see me there. I, I just um, I co-edited the recent French issue, which was great. Um, yeah. So yeah. So um, always busy with that. Yeah. And is there any place where do, do you want to throw out your your handles or places where people can find you and your work? Uh, I'm, if if anyone wants to find me on Twitter or Instagram, my handle is Thomas Dynamic, all one word. Uh, and I am a, I'm in the process of building a website which will carry lots more information and be wonderful. Um, people can also check out Shindig. It's available all across the U.S. and the U.K. on all uh, newsstands. Um, so yeah, uh, and yeah, that's, that's it for now. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tom. And good luck with season two. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's, it's shaping up to be really great season. We, we just, I think we, they're mixing in LA today 
uh, episode six, which has got some crazy good music in it. And there's lots of delights for people to to check out in uh, in this season. So I think I think fans will be happy. Excellent, excellent. I'm happy. Are you happy? I'm happy. <laughs> good. With our two presidents, that's sometimes the best we could hope for. It's just moments of happiness exactly. and music yeah. shared between kindred spirits. What's what's the line in Lot Forty Nine? Uh, moments of truth in service. Tiny moments of happiness in service. Something like that. Ah, anyway, we're perfect. happy. So onwards. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Ball Show.